Hello and welcome to this episode of Irreligiosity version 2.0, the one true podcast. And the only podcast, Matt, that has literally bored a person to death. My God, have we? I'm sure we have. Probably. If Paul did it, we did. <laughs> I was almost bored to death by Paul. Yeah, you and me both. When I read that Something. in Acts, I stepped uh, away from the windowsill. <laughs> Do not read Acts by second floor above. That's right. That's right. First <laughs> Always stay on the ground floor. <laughs> only. Uh, I'm surprised, too, that Peter did not bore someone to death first so that then Paul could do it. But uh, Right. <laughs> a unique act of Paul. All right, Matt. So uh, that's the we're Acts Part 2, right? That's what we're doing this week? We're Acts Part 2, Take 4. This month? Something like <laughs> that. This season. Yeah. We're going to shift to seasonal podcasts, by the way. Like one podcast every three months. Oh, nice. Uh, is this our winter podcast, then? Yeah. We're a little late. Really? Like, <laughs> that's okay, because there's no more winter in Utah anymore, apparently. <laughs> uh, you want to do skunk dicks first? Let's do some dicks. Right. What, I got, what, a big, got a big dick. What, <laughs> what dick do you have? I have a movie that will be coming out. Right now, it is a mere trailer. <laughs> but it stars none other than Mike Huckabee. Actually, it doesn't star Mike Huckabee. He just happens to be in it. But he's the biggest name, so we're going to go with him. Uh, however, this new documentary is being produced by a uh, conservative group called Faith 2 Action. Faith 2, number two. What is it with religious people and using numbers in this place for words? Evidence full faith, stuff like that. Um, what is their fascination with that? <laughs> I don't know. They're trying to be hip or something. They're like, this is clever. <laughs> it's a number. But it also stands for a word. Uh, such is the thoughts of one Janet Porter, president of Faith to Action. They're putting out a, uh, a documentary called Light Wins, How to Overcome the Criminalization of Christianity. All it is right now is a trailer. Did they actually make a trailer before they made the movie? I, is that possible? Perhaps it's just one of those, like, they just made a trailer. See if there's any interest. They want to know if they can get some the God's Not Dead money. <laughs> All that saving Christmas money? <laughs> no, they don't want saving Christmas money. <laughs> Pro tip, Kevin Sorbo, not Kirk Cameron. <laughs> uh, on a side note, if anybody can bootleg Saving Christmas, I need to watch this movie. <laughs> Apparently, it is going to disappear from the face of the earth. <laughs> well, uh, it's a four-minute trailer uh unprecedented can you imagine sitting through a fucking four minute trailer you'd be like oh my god it's like i just watched lord of the rings get to the fucking movie it's a great trailer though because she comes out she's all diane sawyer she's out there yeah let's let's play it i got nothing to do for the next four minutes what about you (laughs) nope When evil is called good, darkness is ushered into the land. And with the darkness comes a threat to our freedoms. I believe it is the single greatest threat to religious freedom in the United States of America today. The blatant hostility to the Christian faith. The most insidious and aggressive assault to our religious freedom that we've ever seen. That is the cultural clash of our time. If homosexual activists get everything they want, it'll be nothing less than the criminalization of Christianity.
the most insidious, <laughs> what did he say? Like, aggressive? The most insidious assault on Christianity in our time. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad he made that uh, that distinction. So. <laughs> poor Christians. Not since the time of fucking uh, Nero or Diocletian, you know, where they're getting impaled on sticks or shredded apart by lions in the arena. Have they been under this aggressive persecution? What, well, that wasn't are, insidious, Chuck. What, Lions aren't insidious. <laughs> well, what do they have to deal with? Yeah, you know. You, no, it's you, not you call, gay marriage or some shit. Bigot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you called the bigot for uh, <laughs> that's, not that's supporting it. gay rights. Yeah, they just they just can't be bigoted assholes, and they're and that's how Christianity is becoming criminalized. <laughs> yeah, people are finally calling them what they are, bigoted assholes. It's the the persecution to me, Matt, is uh, uh horrible. I just I can't watch it. I'm sure somewhere in this trailer there'll be something like uh now let's see how tolerant the tolerant crowd will be. <laughs> Hopefully somewhere in this trailer there's someone saying, but seriously, folks. It's <laughs> <laughs> all bullshit. Yeah. I'm Janet Porter. I was in the dark about the radical agenda to silence the truth, but after years of research and observation, there is no longer any doubt. As I wrote in The Criminalization of Christianity, if they can silence the truth, they will silence the gospel. This film is to expose the assault on our freedoms and shed some light on how we can use the freedoms we have left. What kind of freedom of speech do we have if a person who expresses a biblical viewpoint about marriage is told they can't open their businesses in a location. And so they say in San Antonio, oh, if you believe that homosexual marriage is a bad deal, we're not even going to let you run for office here. We're not going to let you have your right of conscience. We're not going to let you believe things other than what we tell you to believe. Nobody says that. <laughs> Nobody. Matt, you have no right to uh, believe that. And, and I'm going to crawl inside your head and take away your right of conscience. <laughs> Removing it with a crowbar. Nobody's stopping them from opening a business. They're just perhaps not going to some business anymore <laughs> because they're dicks. Uh, you can't run for office. Yeah, we got a right to boycott your asshole bigoted business. Yeah. Isn't that right, Chick-fil-A? It's the free market. Out for you, assholes. I think it worked out well for them, didn't it? Everybody, everybody went there to eat. Every bigoted asshole. <laughs> Just so tasty. That's the problem. Uh, even my neighbor went down there and he was like, well, I can't, I can't abandon Chick-fil-A in their time of need. Their prejudice is just too <laughs> delicious. People love Chick-fil-A uh, around here. I don't know why. I went there once and I thought it was kind of gross. It's just me. I don't know. They said they have pickles in their sandwich. Who puts pickles on a chicken sandwich? It was a long boycott for me. A long wasteland of... <laughs> No fried chicken. Really? Your arteries must be thanking the gays right now. They almost cleared up. Fortunately, Chick-fil-A backed off on its anti-gay stand. Oh. Now I'm nearing my septuple bypass once more. I just go to Kentucky Fried Chicken. I do the double down. Because I'm sure Colonel Sanders, the bastion of the South, is pro-gay marriage. He's totally into gay marriage. Look how he dresses. <laughs> the gay marriage pastor. I'm pretty sure that's what that outfit is. <laughs> hey, speaking of gays, guess who's next up in the trailer? 
We're getting the lines from the media, we're getting the lines from education, we're getting the lines from politicians and even theologians. Well, you know, there's the gay gene. Really? Well, name it for me. Number it. Because if there's a gene that's identified for homosexuality, it would have a name, it would have a number, we'd know who the doctor was that found it. It is XQ28 and uh, the doctor, Dr. Hamer. Well, there you go. There you go. <laughs> Named. <laughs> Done. Next. And so you believe I'm being intolerant because I believe the Bible standards. Are you not being intolerant when you say that there is something wrong with me for believing the Bible? It's really not about marriage. It's about forcing the acceptance of homosexuality on people. If you change the public law about what marriage is, then you change what the public education system does when it talks about it. Governor Jerry Brown has now given us a law that allows boys to shower with girls. We have these so-called gay-straight alliances in schools, which are focused around sex. Are there any other clubs in high school or junior high school which are focused around sex? If some young person hears at school it's okay to be gay, and then comes down with a fatal disease. As a result, school officials should be held legally liable. I would scream at the television, that's a lie, I was born this way, that's not true. But deep down I'm going, oh God, is it true? I don't have to be like this? This isn't really who you meant me to be? What's coming next is going to be an assault on the church like we've never seen before. There's going to be a dividing of sheep and goats. To silence any aspect of gospel truth or moral truth, is ultimately to silence the gospel. So if you think that those who are trying to keep you quiet about one particular issue, like homosexuality, are going to limit it to that, you've underestimated your opposition. They want to silence the whole gospel. And if that's what it takes to accomplish their goal, that's exactly what they will do. The, the only voice of reason in the whole thing. Yes. I'm not going to limit it to that. It's <laughs> absolutely true. <laughs> I'm not a one-issue voter. Nope. <laughs> uh, light wins. Light How to wins. overcome the criminalization. Um, as opposed to darkness. But Chuck, what is light without darkness? <laughs> I'm sure that's some that obscure me. reference to some movie I've never seen, but for the life of me, I can't tell what. Probably because I've never seen it. <laughs> Look, kids, everybody go see a 1980s movie starring Tom Cruise and Tim Curry and somebody else. Legend. Don't. Great movie. Don't see that movie. It's well, you got to be high when you watch it, but, you know, it's great. See, Matt, I, I'm not sure Christians um, appreciate what this really sounds like to the average unbeliever. And so what I've done is I've I've dubbed their trailer over to to kind of give them a perspective of what what this bullshit sounds like from our atheist perspective. Aha. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. What kind of freedom of speech do we have if a person who expresses a biblical viewpoint about marriage is told they can't open their businesses in a location. 
And so they say in San Antonio, oh, if you believe that interracial marriage is a bad deal, we're not even going to let you run for office here. We're not going to let you have your right of conscience. We're not going to let you believe things other than what we tell you to believe. We're getting the lines from the media. We're getting the lines from education. We're getting the lines from politicians and even theologians. Well, you know, there's the black gene. Really? Well, name it for me. Number it. Because if there's a gene, it would have a name, it would have a number, we know who the doctor was that found it. And so you believe I'm being intolerant because I believe the Bible standards. Are you not being intolerant when you say that there is something wrong with me for believing the Bible? It's really not about marriage. It's about forcing the acceptance of black people. Young people. If you change the public law about what marriage is, then you change what the public education system does when it talks about it. Governor Jerry Brown has now given us a law that allows white people to shower with black people. We have these so-called black-white alliances in schools, which are focused around race. Are there any other clubs in high school or junior high school, which are focused around race. If some young person hears at school it's okay to be black and then comes down with a fatal disease, as a result, school officials should be held legally liable. Well, Matt, yeah, now that I've played that, it occurs to me uh, that everyone in the trailer had southern accents, so uh, <laughs> the, the message might be lost. Ah, uh, backfire. I might, have waste, <laughs> I might have wasted my time dubbing that. <laughs> They still don't get it. They're like, sounds reasonable to me. <laughs> Where's that movie? That's right. We shouldn't have integrated our prom. <laughs> I want to see both those movies. Light winds, motherfuckers. Hey, Matt, uh, Skunk Dick Candidate number two is an old friend of the podcast. Ah. Chief Justice Roy Moore. The headline of this is... Uh, the KKK supports Alabama Chief Justice Roy Moore's fight against gay marriage. And, Matt, you know if you've got the KKK in your corner, you got to be doing something right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the Ku Klux Klan is throwing its support behind Alabama Chief Justice Roy Moore's fight against gay marriage, urging, quote, the God-fearing people of Alabama to resist federal tyranny. Oh, no, not federal tyranny again. Yeah, they, they salute Roy Moore for refusing to bow to the yoke of federal tyranny. Uh, like laws or something? What like, is it now? Like, like when they seceded from the Union? Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the statement makes reference to, quote, fudge packers from Hollywood and the imperialist communist homosexual agenda. I think that, Matt, it's unfair. Someone's got to pack our fudge. Yeah, really. I mean, what do you have against people packing fudge? Delicious, delicious fudge. It's going to melt otherwise. Right. you got to have a pro do it. It can't be anybody. I'm not for amateur fudge packing in Hollywood. Now, by the way, Hollywood does uh, have the best fudge. It's like getting a, uh, a California Zinfandel or, or something that comes from another specific place that I can't think of. <laughs> Perhaps. That's really good. <laughs> Kentucky bourbon? I don't know. <laughs> the statement laments that, quote, the second war for independence was lost in 1865. That's it. <laughs> what was the first war for independence? Oh, the war of independence. Wait, the actual, what? Oh, the Civil War. <laughs> the actual war for independence, which was the Revolutionary War. So the Civil War was the second war, and I guess the no. lost that one. <laughs> so ask the God-fearing people of Alabama to resist the outside forces that have ruled this nation since the end of the War of Northern Aggression. Matt, this is almost... It's hitting all my little check marks for a Poe. <laughs> it kind of is. It's almost a, a parody of itself here. 
fudge packers, imperialist, communist, homosexual. It's hard to tell, though. These things are hard to tell. Yeah, I guess that's the point of a Poe, right? You just you right. can't tell. But, you know, if it is real... <laughs> and I totally buy it. Chief Justice Roy Moore ought to be proud that he's backed by the Ku Klux Klan. Yeah. Fuck Roy Moore. Now, Chuck, as you know, or perhaps you don't know... I don't know. Eh, I listen to Bill Maher, or I watch his show. I, th- I thought he has been funny. Kind of an idiot sometimes. He's got some wacky views. Um, but I mostly tolerate it because he can be funny. I think so, you know. Really? But, uh, so, he's so smarmy to me and arrogant yeah. <clears throat> that it's really hard for me to enjoy any potential humor that might arise. Well, when that's happening, you know, on issues that you kind of agree with, or he's uh, criticizing conservatives or religious people or whatnot, uh, it's a little easier to swallow, you know. You don't notice it. I guess I'm saying. I'll take your word for uh, it. Yeah, you wouldn't notice it at all because you don't watch him at all. So. <laughs> Whenever I watch him, I'm in a half-pissed-off state of mind because he's such a <laughs> douchebag. <laughs> well, now I agree with you. The thing is, I thought he was kind of, uh, you know, I thought, hey, he's on our side at least, so I guess I'll just ignore his weird Western medicine anti-vaccine views. But, but yeah. you know, yeah. This is why I never admit I'm wrong, because eventually people come around to agree with me if I wait long enough. <laughs> well, not so. I'm no. rejecting Bill Maher. Yeah, you cut him some slack because he's on our side, sort of on our side. Yeah. But uh, that's a big but there that Bill Maher has, that whole Western medicine and anti-vaccine Right. But. I just always tried to ignore that for but this this episode I think it was two weeks ago now, I just could not I couldn't ignore it anymore because it it's not just his quirky little views now. And he's he's really showing himself to be kind of anti science, anti evidence, and that's always been his big things. Facts. These are facts is what you know, is what he usually says. Uh, you can't argue with facts and yet he goes on to do that. Let me give you a bunch of quotes from that show so you can if you didn't have the pleasure of listening to it, you can go just as nuts as I was going listening to it. Could you look directly into the camera and give that god-awful smirk that he gives oh. and uh, grow your hair a little long so that it's kind of a, a mullet in the back <laughs> while it's balding on top? Could you do that? I, I think I can do that, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I think I might be doing that. <laughs> I got my hair. What am I talking about? Uh, so here we go. I'm going to start you off. Uh, so the first thing he says, basically, is I'm not an anti-vaxxer, and I never have been, which is bullshit if you've listened to him at ever in the past. He's an anti-flu shot guy because I think that's bullshit, and I think the fact that it was 23% effective bears that out. Ugh. Yeah. What's wrong with 23% effective? We know how flu shots are chosen, right? I know. Do you know? Does everybody know? Does that explain it? I'm sure everyone knows. Yeah, there, there are they, different antigens every year. And science uh, scientists cho- pick and choose the different antigens that they think that are going to come up uh, in the next flu season. And so they uh, construct vaccines that are effective against those. Sometimes they're right, sometimes they're wrong. But, and they have to do that, uh, I think, about now or springtime or right. that, like that far ahead because right, exactly. it takes time to produce all the so vaccines. I would like to point out, Bill, that uh, 23% effective is better than 0% effective, which is what happens when you don't get a flu shot. Right. And even if uh, it doesn't provide 100% uh, 
effectiveness. It still lessens the severity of it if you catch it, and it reduces the um, the amount of time you usually uh, are suffering from it. So you have milder symptoms and you have shorter duration. Unfortunately, That's you also way to say. <laughs> You also get Alzheimer's and uh, autism, I think. Yeah, that's well, that's a trade-off, you know. <laughs> Every time. Every time I got the flu shot, Alzheimer's. Yeah. And then he kind of goes on because I think he's getting pissed off uh, about the flack he's starting to get. And he should get flack. This is why I wanted to do it because he needs to get flack from everywhere, not just from some stupid right-wingers, but from us as well. When you when you get flack, by the way, too, it really shows your character because there are two, it, yeah. two ways of responding to it, right? One <laughs> is to go back and see what the opposing side says and see if they have any truth to it. And the other is just to close off your mind and say, fuck you, assholes. I'm right. right. So he said the attitude of the media this week kind of pissed me off. It was just a lot of shut the fuck up. It reminded me of the Iraq war the first week. Don't ask any questions. That's a good good analogy. Yeah. Good analogy. And then he goes on to say, the analogy is that if you ask any questions, you are the same as a global warming denier. That's what he's being here. He's being a denier. He's being a creationist on the issue of uh, medicine, essentially. The, the information is there. He is just choosing to – I don't know what he's doing. Is he just ignoring it? He's just sticking with his ideology. Yeah, so he explains it though. I don't think all science is alike. I think climate science is straightforward because you're dealing with the earth. It's a rock. But climate scientists from the very beginning have pretty much said the same thing, and the predictions have pretty much come through. That's not true of the medical industry. This is for you, Chuck. I mean, they've had to retract a million things because the human body is infinitely mysterious. People get cancer, and doctors just don't know why. They put mercury in my teeth. My father had ulcers, and they treated it wrong when I was a kid. I could go on. Blah, blah, blah. Um, The ulcer one was telling for me because um, we didn't know – what used to when his father had ulcers, we didn't know what caused ulcers, right? Yeah. Now we know. I um, mean, it took a while for the scientific community to figure out that uh, Helicobacter pylori is is involved, right? Exactly. Uh, so um, here here's the here's the problem, Matt. Uh, Bill Maher is saying that climate science is different than medical science. Uh, right. Not true. Climate and weather extremely complicated. It's just that the evidence is all pointing in one direction. And that's exactly the same in vaccine science as it is in climate science. Bill just uh, refuses to accept it because, I don't know, he's an asshole. There's <laughs> some sort of blind spot uh, on this. And, and this is what happens. You know, you, you start uh, uh, going kind of off the rails on one particular topic. And uh, if you're an intelligent person... You uh, think that, well, I'm completely rational, and so I'm rational in this instance. But the problem is you don't know shit about it, and uh, so you you overinflate your perception of your own expertise, right? It's the Dunning-Kruger effect. It is exactly the (laughs) Dunning-Kruger effect. Bill Maher thinks that he's massively qualified in in the medical field. Yeah, he's he's pulling a creationist tactic that he complains about all the time. He's essentially agreeing with science that he – supports whatever personal beliefs he has and he disagrees with the science that doesn't agree with what he already believes for no good reason Uh, yeah uh. just cherry picking the science that he likes and uh being the the uh kind of asshole that he is the contrarian that he likes to present himself as uh in this instant Uh. he's just uh out of hand rejecting 
immunology basically is a science <laughs> the you know, in, entire field of immunology it's not just certain climatologists the the global warming deniers are rejecting the entire field of climatology that's right. the problem um you know he has changed a little bit uh even bill maher is not immune to information it seems and you can kind of see that because of the measles outbreak they've had lately like disneyland and blah blah, blah. um that they they keep on hedging uh, what they're saying. They're starting to hedge a little bit on what they're saying. But he goes on to say, even if we agree the vaccines are pretty much safe and certainly effective, can you do too much of a good thing? He's changing right here from his flu shot rant, and now he's just go and now he's going down that other avenue vaccine for the too much too soon, right? Um, I'm not so sure that people who get a lot of vaccinations have a robust immune system. If your immune system's not up to par, I mean, if you don't use it. You know, he's 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 basically positing a link between having colds, uh, allergies, immune disorders uh, with a compromised immune system that is related to getting too many vaccines at once, which is how many how many do we get? Something like 30, 35, 36 total by the time you're in your teens. Um, I'm just guessing how many infections do we fight off like every day? It's it's you come in contact with stuff every day. Like it's like I've read. 1,500. I don't know if that was just a made-up number, but I'm going to say it's real, Chuck, because it agrees with my point. And, uh, <laughs> but yeah, that's not a lot of things. I don't understand. Like if you, if you use a, a vaccine, you're not using your immune system. The whole purpose right. of using a vaccine is to wake up your immune system and make sure that it's uh, aware that these are threats. And, and so you get some uh, memory B cells so that they'll recognize it the next time that, that uh, your body is uh, – presented with that and they'll they'll get rid of it without an infection i don't understand you know what he thinks vaccines are if he doesn't think that they're ramping up the immune system right there he's displaying essentially his and, and creationists do this all the time when they talk about evolution he's displaying his ignorance of how vaccines work he thinks uh from the rest of the conversation that um if you listen to it all he thinks that vaccines work by giving you the disease uh, just a little bit of it you get a little bit of the disease, and that's how you're protected against it. When it you, it's not the vaccine that protects you. The vaccine uses your immune system. Right, exactly. Uh, and let me tell you this too: I, I didn't get vaccinated when I was a kid. I don't know if you know that. I did not know that, but now I'm not going to hang out with you anymore. Um, well, I have since been vaccinated. Oh, oh okay. So Woo. you can still hang out with me. I don't want measles. Um, I got measles when I was 18 years old. Oh, have I told this story in the podcast before? I don't know, but I got chicken pox when I was 20 fucking four. Yeah, let me tell you this. Getting measles at 18 is no picnic. It was two weeks of fucking misery. Oh, uh, I remember this. Yeah. I remember this. I can tell you the exact year because it was a That's measles right. epidemic. It was 1990 in Utah. Yes. Uh, uh, I had graduated uh, high school and I was going into college. And so it was the tail end of the summer into the fall where I got it. And I spent uh, nearly two weeks in the basement next to a barf bag because you get photosensitive. You know, the light hurts your eyes when you have measles. And you get a big rash, and uh, you're nauseated, so I had a barf bag next to me. Well, huge epidemic in 1990. Why? Because, uh, like my parents, a lot of Mormons didn't vaccinate their kids because they trusted in God. Well, you know, that's okay, I think, for your own health. If you don't want to fucking vaccinate yourself, fine. But Jesus Christ, vaccinate your fucking kids. I finally, I missed the first three days of college. I remember, I remember the you being all scabby. 
Yes, because I had because I had the measles, and and so they said if you miss any more days, you're going to lose your seat in class. So we had a nurse come out and verify that I wasn't contagious, and I could go back to school. But I had a bunch of fucking scabs all over my body. Ah, <laughs> uh, welcome to college. So Good I would walk. Yeah, I'd walk. This is my first fucking quarter in college. I'd walk down the hill, and like the fucking crowds would part in front of me like the Red Sea. Holy shit! Look at that. Kid. You were like Moses, and I'd be sitting in the corner of a room, and it'd be me. A row of empty chairs and the rest of the fucking class. So that was wonderful. But let me tell you this, man. I got measles, right? My sister also got measles in that epidemic, and she didn't uh, mount any antibodies. When she went on to graduate school, uh, they tested her to make sure she was uh, immunized. And this happened to me in medical school, too. I got tested, and I was, I was immune to the measles and immune to chickenpox because I got them both. But I had no other immunity, so I had to get the hepatitis series. And so anyway, they tested her, and she had two weeks of the measles just like I did. She had no immunity, no antibodies to the measles. So, uh, Bill Maher, fuck you. There's a small percentage of people who don't mount uh, immune responses even when they get the disease itself. That's right. Go fuck and you the- and your robust immune system theory. The flu kills thousands every year. Not not the normal healthy people. It's you know sometimes we're vaccinated to protect other people, children, people with compromised immune systems, people with say leukemia. You know they can't get vaccinated. Hundreds of people die from complications of the chickenpox every year. People think chickenpox no big deal, right? I'll go. My kids got chickenpox. I'll go to a chickenpox party. I'll bring these other kids. Yeah. Oh my uh, god. Two hundred people every year about uh, die let, from super infections of those chicken. Let me. Let me tell you about chickenpox. I got them as, at 24. It wasn't pleasant, but I got through it, and I went through that whole scabby phase too. It was awesome. Um, but now, hey, guess what I get later in life? <laughs> Shingles. Shingles. Thank you. I've ha- I've, luckily, I've only had it once, and it's pretty gross, and it's like this big – I got it on my back. It's like this big scabby, itchy, uh, super um, sensitive <laughs> – pain area yeah. and like i guess it can just come and go yay yeah chicken pox often uh the varicella virus hides out in the uh, ganglion of the nerves and so in times of stress uh lack of sleep immune compromise upper respiratory infections your immune system is less effective it can erupt along a single nerve distribution and it's uh usually excruciatingly painful Yay, great. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go get, and I think I'm due for it. I'm going to get my booster shots. Yep. And I'm going to, I'll post a picture on the uh, Irreligiosophy fan page on Facebook. And I encourage everyone to do the same. Unless you have a compromised immune system, then maybe you should talk to your doctor first. <laughs> what, what are we posting pictures of? <laughs> Getting booster shots. Oh, okay. I've been meaning to do that. This reminds me to go do that. So, yeah. Um, Fuck you, Bumar. Fuck you and fuck your dog. So there was so much stupid in this conversation. You got – this conversation is going on between Bill Maher, um, uh, two ladies. I can't remember who they were, but they were basically like cheerleaders on this issue. And then one conservative commentator – who happened to be the lone voice of reason in all this mess, which was, I found ironically hilarious. Um, Bill Maher should be ashamed of himself for that. (laughs) Exactly. Be fucking ashamed of yourself. Uh, So it turns from, I'm I'm just anti-flu shots, to just the whole rant on vaccines after that, and then it gets to this point where his guests 
start just throwing things out there because they're like, hey, as long as we're talking bullshit, one of his guests states that people are prayed for. Get out of intensive care faster. <laughs> Intercessory prayer works, everyone. Oh Here's how it came out. People attend who are diagnosed with a life-challenging illness, who attend spiritual support groups, live on average twice as long, and that has been established by the most prestigious academic institution. That was thrown out there. I love – what is the most prestigious academic institution? I don't know, but it's been established. And I saw Sasquatch. <laughs> I saw Bigfoot once. I got probed <laughs> by an alien. <laughs> Oh, God, the whole thing went from measles to vaccinations to a bunch of ideological garbage. Mars not pro-science. He's not evidence-based on this issue. I'm starting to think he just goes along with evolution and global warming because it pisses off the conservatives. Yeah. But the yeah. smarmy condescension, the arrogance, the smugness has really put me off. And uh, you know what I'm going to do? I, I, I'm still going to listen to him, though. Um, just because I think he can be funny sometimes and like Jeremy Clarkson, I don't know if you watch top gear, but he's kind of a racist global warming bastard, but he's funny. He puts on a good show. I'm just not going to let this pass anymore. That's what I'm going to do. Plus get my booster shots. And what, what does that mean? Not let this pass anymore. That means, uh, when he does say this kind of stuff, I'm going to call him out on it, I guess. On the only platform I have. You're going to scream at that television. <laughs> Fuck you, Bill Maher! You dick! I'm putting you down on my show with my tiny listener base, but... I am going to continue my boycott and not listen to that <laughs> smarmy asshole, son of a bitch fucker. Uh, well, you know, at least I don't actually have HBO and watch the show. I just download the free podcast. How about you download the podcast and not laugh at it this time? <laughs> I'm going to sit there in... Pissed off silence. <laughs> Your arms crossed. Yeah. I'm not laughing at you. Fuck you. Dick. I don't know. If All people right. got a better suggestion, they can go to the Facebook page. <laughs> no, the, uh, Roy Moore's a good candidate, uh, but I think I'm going to go with Bill Maher on this one. Oh, I'm definitely going with Bill Maher. All right. Let's see who the actual skunk dick is. All right. <laughs> Is this a first time ever? Bill Maher won it. No. Oh. This is a new low for the show. It's first time ever. It's Chuck fucking Morrison. I'm sure I've won this before. <laughs> Probably have. This can't be the first time. <laughs> I know you were nominated once. Uh, maybe it's the first time I've actually won. That's yes. true. That Why have you deserved this prestigious honor? Uh, let me take one guess. I'm retiring from the podcast. Much like Jon Stewart, I think it is time to step down and retire from the podcast. You're going the way of the Chick-fil-A pickle. No, they're what? still... <laughs> I thought they were going away. No. On Sunday. <laughs> On Sundays. Yeah. Uh, Explain yourself. It's time. Don't you think it's time? It's time to end it. Yeah. Just retire. Coast off into the sunset. I mean, I did it for two years the first time, and then we crashed and burned. It's been two years this time now, hasn't it? <laughs> Have we crashed and burned yet? Uh, close God, enough. <laughs> if we haven't, we're pretty goddamn close. Oh, I think we've pretty you're... much driven this into the ground, don't you think? Yeah. I don't think we can get any lower ratings than we've already gotten. No. I don't think we can receive any less money from the fans. The so-called fans! <laughs> How come nobody's donating to our Patreon? 
That's what I want to know. Where's all that Patreon money? Exactly. I mean, I did my part. I got about halfway through the registration process and gave up because it was too fucking hard. Right, but that doesn't excuse anything. Right. The money should be flowing in. <laughs> Don't jerk them off too much. That was the last straw, that Patreon. No money from the Patreon account. Give them, give them some hope, Chuck. Give them, give them a little hope. Well, I think I'm just going to take a couple of months off to study for my uh, board recertification. It happens every seven years. So I've decided in that time, I'm going to put out some podcasts. going to put out some pretty painful interviews. Matt will respect <laughs> the integrity of the show and not put out a single episode. If we can get uh, Noah Miller on board again and a copy of uh, Saving Christmas, um, perhaps we can do a review of that. I'll look that up for the DVD release date, and it says... No DVD release date announced. <laughs> All original versions of the movie have <laughs> been destroyed. <laughs> uh, maybe we can get Leela Moses to return for a little vagina corner action. Excellent. Leela's vagina corner. Leela's corner vagina. Leela's, that's an oddly shaped vagina. <laughs> it looks like a corner. That's the other shaped in New Zealand. Well, so there's that. Chuck Morrison, skunk dick. Well, the nice thing is, if I'm not involved in the podcast, maybe you can put it out weekly. <laughs> as long as nobody minds the quality being vastly, vastly lower. <laughs> Can't be much lower than it is currently. I don't edit, by the way. No, don't know how to. <laughs> good, good, good luck with that. <laughs> you just, just slap the theme music on the front and done. Excellent. All right, I'll take that. Where were we in Axe, anyway? Uh, I believe Peter was about to have a gigantic orgy. Oh, yeah, Chapter 9. I think he uh, just... Didn't he just resurrect Dorcas? Oh, that's... Let's... Tabitha, Chuck. Come oh, on. That's yeah. not nice. In, that was her Greek name. Oh, that's right. In Greek, Dorcas. So, uh, yeah, we're back to Peter. So, um... Apparently, this uh, Roman centurion, this is chapter 10, for those of you who are reading along while you're listening to this <laughs> podcast. A Roman centurion named Cornelius receives a vision to send for Peter. Well, Peter himself receives a vision about a bunch of animals being lowered down from heaven on a sheet. Uh, that, Matt, he, he took to clearly mean you need to go baptize some Gentiles. Oh, yeah, I, I see that. Totally. Animals on a sheet. Lowering down from heaven, baptizing fucking Gentiles. The animals are Gentiles, and the sheet is water? Yeah. <laughs> Peter woke up from a fucking cocaine-induced <laughs> heroin haze and says, Yeah, I got a vision. Oh. Whoa, man. That apparently, they, they must have translated that vision using the gift of tongues. Right. The fuck does that mean, Peter? So Peter goes to Cornelius and baptizes him. Now, this is the second Gentile convert, right? The first one was that uh, eunuch. Oh, that's right, the eunuch. I thought it was his traveling buddy, but apparently it was... Actually, him who got his balls cut off. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so Peter baptized the Gentile. So clearly this is okay, right? You're baptizing Gentiles. Oh, yeah. No problem. The Pope himself did it. The Pope? What a dick. So Peter goes back to the and explains to the rest of the church about his vision... And the Gentiles being baptized, I'm sure they're all like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Good yeah. call. Good call, Peter. <laughs> but? Well, verse 18 says, when they heard this, they had no further objections and praised God, saying, 
So then, even to Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. So, hey, everyone's one big happy family, right? Yay! No problem! Jesus wouldn't have shit to do with Gentiles, but uh, it's cool now. It's all good. Really? Jesus didn't want to have anything to do with Gentiles? Yeah, now you remember that one scene in, uh, God, was it Matthew, where that lady came up to him and she's like, Could you please heal my daughter, sir? She has a, a demon. She's possessed of a demon. And Jesus was like, Fuck you. <laughs> oh, that's right. I don't Get give. Get gone. I don't give any of the bread to, you know, dogs who come up to the table. And she's like, even dogs get breadcrumbs that sometimes the masters don't swallow. And so he's like, oh, fine. <sighs> fine. Like it costs so, Jesus anything, right? Right. All she has to do is like <laughs> touch his cloak or some shit. Fine. Can I'll I heal your demon-possessed him? daughter. God. So, uh, too big of an issue with it. Chapter 12, Peter's in prison and an angel rescues him, right? But unfortunately, there's a little bit of collateral damage because the guards who were guarding him were executed oh. for letting him escape. <laughs> Thanks, Jesus. <laughs> oh, God. But it's okay because those guards who were executed by order of Herod, well, Herod died and was eaten by worms. So. Oh, all right. There's all even. Um, this kind of reminds me of uh, that scene from Santa Claus is coming to town with the magic corn and the deer oh, come and yeah. rescue him. <laughs> what happened to all those guards? They were executed. Beheaded. Beheaded. Uh, so in chapter 13, Saul, also called Paul, sails to Cyprus. So Paul is summoned to the proconsul's chamber. Isn't that like the fucking governor or something? Proconsul, yes. I believe that's the uh, Romulan commander or something. <laughs> Pretty high oh. up. Anyway, he meets a sorcerer named Elimas, whose name means sorcerer. So I guess... <laughs> what? <laughs> I guess his parents... Oh, what a beautiful little baby. Huh? Just name him sorcerer. What are you supposed to do with your life after that? You're pretty much stuck. It's like if you name your daughter, like, Crystal Chandelier. She's going to become a stripper. That's exactly. just, uh... So his name was Sorcerer? His name the is sorcerer? Sorcerer. <laughs> does, that, does that ring any bells to you, Matt? <laughs> Who Wasn't was the other like Sorcerer? Simon, Simon the Sorcerer. Peter. So this is, this is Paul's Simon the Sorcerer, basically. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Trying to do it one bit. You got a Simon the Sorcerer? I got a Sorcerer the Sorcerer. <laughs> Paul tells him he's an enemy of God and blinds the guy. Holy shit. Isn't that what? awesome? Like, Peter just told him to repent, but Paul actually blinded the fucker. So that's better. Definitely yeah. better. The proconsul is so amazed by all this, he converts to Christianity on the spot. Yeah, that happens so all the time. I, I'd totally do it. Yeah. I would to- on the spot if I saw that happen. Oh, my God, I'm blind. Well, that's good enough for me. Yep. <laughs> I'm converting. Don't so, blind me. So now, now Paul has... A well-funded base of operations, right? He's got good connection to this wealthy, powerful politician. And what does he do with this? How does he capitalize on this? What would any reasonable person do in this situation? Open a church. You sail off to Pisidian Antioch. Oh. Why? Leave it all behind. Eh, fuck it. (laughs) Maybe they have nice speeches. I don't know. (laughs) I love how he's finally, you know, got this massive amount of support, a good base of operation, and a politically powerful friend, and he just, later dudes, I'm out. 
Oh. Anyway, in Pisidian Antioch, he gives a history lesson in the synagogue. Note always that Paul always goes to the Jews first. Always goes to the Jews. Some of the Jews believe him. Most of them reject him. And so he's forced to go to the Gentiles. That's how Acts betrays this. He desires their love so much. What's, Always, what's the like, deal with? Like Jesus, Jews first. goes to the Jews. Yeah. So uh, the next day, quote, almost the whole city gathered to hear. Uh, you know, again, that happens all the time, right? right? Some wandering preacher comes in and the whole fucking city. Oh, my God, it's like a rock concert. Holy <laughs> shit. The newsboys are here. Let's go. Newsboys? When? Where? So, uh, you know. When this happens, when the whole city gathers to hear a couple of people preach, what happens? It makes the Jews jealous. Well, of course. I don't know why. Jews are always jealous. Is it because no one listens to them preach? And they're yeah. just like, yeah. Yeah, they're less successful. Uh, in chapter 14, verse 8, it says, In Lystra, there sat a man who was lame. <laughs> you my, suck. One of my favorite lines. <laughs> there sat a man who was lame. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that meant back then what it means now. Yeah. Oh, God. Look at that lame dude over there. <laughs> so lame. Oh, my God. Yeah, so you know, much like Peter healed that lame dude, Paul heals this guy of his lameness. How did he do that? <laughs> Gave him a hairstyle, cool sunglasses. <laughs> Some hair gel. <laughs> Turned his collar up. Leather jacket. You know. Uh, 80s comedy. He was Gold. no longer lame. lame. The crowd was so amazed by this non-lame transformation <laughs> that they think Paul and Barnabas are gods. What? But Paul sets them straight, right? We're not gods. Trust me. Trust me. Uh, not a people god. were so gullible back then. <laughs> then, unfortunately, the Jews stirred up the crowd uh, so much they threw a bunch of stones at Paul. So, uh, one minute they think that he's a god, and the next minute they're fucking throwing stones at him. That's because... He didn't follow Winston's rule of being asked if you're a god from Ghostbusters. Oh, yeah. Always. If someone asks you if you're a god, you say yes. Always. Always. See what happens? So chapter 15, some believers came into Antioch and preached that only circumcised people could be saved. Oh. So they're like, hey, wait a second. So Paul and Barnabas set off to Jerusalem to talk to the apostles about it. Peter uh, makes a speech in favor of not requiring Gentiles to be circumcised. Uh, so mm. James, the brother of Jesus. So now, some for some reason, you know, up until this point in Jerusalem, it was all about the apostles, right? They ran things. Uh, now, Peter's kind of secondary. It's James, who comes out of nowhere. So James, the brother of Jesus, is, is just now in charge for some reason. Doesn't ever because explain why. Because he was nobody, but then his brother became famous. Yeah, so now now it's just it's like it's the Jim Belushi, James Belushi effect. Now he's leading <laughs> the Jerusalem church. So he issues a judgment that Gentiles don't have to be circumcised. Everyone is happy. So uh, there you go. That solves that problem. Whoa. Well done. Next. <laughs> uh, now, in 16, chapter 16, Paul meets a guy named Timothy and wants to take him along uh, with him, you know, to, to keep preaching and converting. Uh, so he circumcises him, quote, what? because of the Jews. <laughs> Wait a second, because only circumcised people could be saved. Did we just not establish in the last chapter that you don't have to be circumcised in order to be saved? I, I don't know. I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> so, Matt, this is interesting because in Galatians, which, you know, Paul, Paul wrote the uh, letter to Galatians because people were passing through a church he had already established. 
and telling them that they all needed to be circumcised. And this really pissed off Paul. He's so angry in this letter. He's, he's very angry in this letter. So in Galatians 2, verse 3, it says, Yet not even Titus, who was with me, was compelled to be circumcised, even though he was a Greek. So why in the fuck did he circumcise Timothy? Because of the Jews, but not Titus. Man, if I, I, was, if I was Timothy, I'd be like, Hey, the fuck did you cut my dick for? Right. That's Titus alone. Why did I have to go through that? What's going? On? What's with you, Paul? How come you're just randomly circumcising and then not circumcising people? <laughs> and didn't we just agree that we didn't need to be circumcised? I love ads because of the Jews. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> that's, that's another thing they've done after they murdered Jesus. So, Matt, then we come across the first of the we verses, right? So uh, I think one of the main reasons people think that this was written by Luke, right? Luke and Acts was written by Luke is because of these we verses, right? So it's weird because you'd think that this guy, so the argument goes like this. There are a bunch of verses that, that shift from third person where he's saying Paul and they into first person where he says Paul and we. And so it's like he's the guy who's uh, writing this is actually there. And so the argument is that the guy who wrote this was actually there so therefore, he was a companion of uh, Paul. Well, who was a Gentile companion of Paul, since all of Acts is about Gentiles? Well, I was Luke. Luke, oh. the physician. Maybe he's just inserting himself into the story for a little reflected glory. <laughs> and that's the thing, right? That he, like, moves from his writing, then he incorporates some of his journals, right? A, it doesn't have to be his own journal. He could be using a different source. But either way, it's really sloppy how he incorporates this into there, whatever source it is. Because if you read Luke, it's so, he incorporates Mark so well into the narrative that if we didn't have Mark, I'm not sure we could even tell he was using a source. But the we verses just jump right out at you. So let me read uh, verse 10 in chapter 16. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. It doesn't, he doesn't introduce himself. He's like, after Paul had seen the vision, then Paul and I, Luke, got ready at once. Right? It doesn't make any sense. It's like in the middle of the fucking sentence. Right. Uh, there are four we passages. So scholars right now, uh, the consensus is that he's using some sort of diary or journal from one of the companions of Paul. Like, that's one of his sources. And that, that is still, like I said, it's very sloppy, no matter what it is. Maybe he died before he got to edit this part. Who knows? Right. <laughs> Maybe he was martyred. He's just plagiarizing. Yeah. So for the, for the next scene in Acts, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set it up by talking about a, a play written by Euripides called The Baquet. Have you heard of that? The ba- I have. As there, in it's one Bacchus? Of the, the, yeah, one of the famous tragedies in ancient Greece, Euripides was a great ancient Greece tragedian. So, uh, and Euripides, very famous, uh, along with um, the others, I think, were Aeschylus and shit, who's the last one? So, very, very, very famous play. Um, there's a scene in the Baquet where a bunch of women leave Thebes for the forest to drink wine, let their hair down, uh, look for love. These are all rites of Dionysus. So, so in the Baquet, the Dionysian cult was being, I believe, persecuted. And so the women had to leave town to uh, observe the rites. And basically, I think they're all fucking goats and, and possibly each other. Yes. Sophocles. Sophocles is the third one. Thank you. Yeah. 
So uh, this obviously makes the men of Thebes upset, because if all the women are out observing the Dionysian rites, all the dishes are piling up. There's no one to, at home to do the dishes. Yeah. No sandwiches are being made. The houses are falling into uh, disrepair. What what other anti-woman thing can I add in there? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I'm not sexist at all, so I can't help no. you here. And so uh, all the men get up. They they come. You know, once they run out of dishes, the they all get up and arrest the women and, and imprison them. Matt, I'm not sure how this makes matters any better. How are they going to be doing <laughs> dishes inside jail, prison? <laughs> I don't know. It's like that Muslim thing where if their wife's not sleeping with them, they don't sleep with their wife. <laughs> it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. So uh, Dionysus causes an earthquake, right, which shakes down the prison walls, opens up the doors, and everyone's chains loosen around their wrists and kind of fall to the ground, right? It's a very famous scene in the Baquet. With that in mind, the next thing that happens in Acts is that Paul meets a slave who made a lot of money for her owners by telling the future, right? Well, Paul right. casts the demon out of her, and unfortunately, she was using the demon to tell the future, so now she can't tell the future anymore, and the owners are very angry at this. So they have Paul arrested and beaten. That seems fair, right? It's his fault. Oh, yeah. Something seems fishy here, Chuck, because wasn't the bouquet written around four 400 B.C.? Oh, BC? yeah. Yeah, it's in the 5th century B.C. Did he copy this story? Well, see, at nighttime, there's an earthquake. All the doors fly open. All the prisoners' chains come loose. Does that sound familiar to you? It sounds like something I've heard before. Like, I mean, I'm once in- once you've read the Baquet and you're reading through the Acts, this you you can't not see this. Right. It's it's stolen almost verbatim from there. It's it's ridiculous. Uh, and this was a famous play, so this this could not have been lost yeah. on the pagan audience either. Um, they would have recognized this immediately as stolen from the Baquet. Not so for the Christians, though. It's like Romeo and Juliet. That's in every that's every story now. Yeah, it'd be like having uh, Mary Magdalene on the balcony and <laughs> Jesus coming anyway. Uh, so Paul stays inside. He doesn't leave, right? He stays inside, ends up converting the jailer. The next day, he's informed that he's being released, but he demands that the magistrates appear before him because he's a Roman citizen. Now, wouldn't you have brought that little small detail up before you got the shit beat out of you the night before? <laughs> no, you forget. They love, they love like suffering. They love that yeah. shit. Yeah, good point. All right, it's time to take a break from the show for our new sponsor, Gary's Dingleberries. Our new sponsor? We got a new one. We've only actually, I think, ever really had one sponsor on this show. (laughs) And I think we drove him into bankruptcy. This is a new sponsor in the truest sense of the word. Brand new. Excellent. I know you guys love chocolate-covered dingleberries. I mean, who doesn't? And by chocolate, I mean shit. Valentine's Day is coming, or perhaps already passed, depending on when we finally get around to recording a new podcast. But Gary's Dingleberries is always a good choice to mix it up and get something new. These Dingleberries are giant and freshly coated. They start at just $19.99 and come in a variety of different kinds. There's dark, light, diuretal, hemorrhoidal. There's nutty, hairy, shart. These might be a present for her, but make sure to get your share as well. When you order, make sure to use the code the Pope's Nuts. To get your discount, giant, juicy, fresh dingleberries for only nineteen ninety nine, And you could double your berries for only $10 more. Double the dingleberries means double the fun. And just think how appreciative she'll be when you bend over and present your gift to the freshest, juiciest dingleberries this side of an unwashed Siberian goat. 
So order today, and don't forget, the Pope's nuts. He sure is. And now back to our show. So chapter 17, Paul goes to a bunch of different cities. Uh, the Jews reject him, of course. Gentiles accept him. He's got to sneak out at night because the Jews are so mad. But in chapter 17, he comes to Athens. So Paul goes to Athens, and he's upset by all the idol worship, like he's never been to a Gentile city before. That's what they do, Paul. <laughs> they worship idols. Uh, so Paul stands on top of the Areopagus, and that is uh, it's Greek for Mars Hill. Right? Oh, that's where that church's name comes from. Ares, the Greek god of war, which uh, the Roman god is Mars, and Opagus which uh, uh, was originally uh, derived from Snuffleupagus. Which is <laughs> but that's that douchebag preacher, right? That, yeah, Mark Driscoll. Yeah, Mars. Okay, now I know why. I was always wondering, well, that's an odd name for a church, but I guess I don't know shit. So that explains that. Yeah, he gives a, a real stupid sermon about how God's, uh, up until now, God's overlooked the fact that you guys worship idols because you just don't know any better. But now Jesus has come, and now now you know better. Now you're left without excuse. So, why did you come and tell us that? Now, <laughs> so, I didn't know I was going to hell, but now, <laughs> son of a. Why would you tell me? Unfortunately, Matt, this directly conflicts with what Paul says. I believe in Romans one, where he speaks to the Romans and says, "Hey, assholes, you're uh, worshiping idols." And in in Romans one, he says that. You all know that worship. He's like fucking Saiten Bruggenkate in Romans 1. He's like, you guys all know that God's the one true God, but you still worship idols anyway, and so that's a sin, and God's going to punish you for that. So which is it? Does uh, According mm-hmm. to Paul of Acts, does he overlook it until Jesus came, or do they believe in their heart of hearts and they're just willfully worshiping these idols? Ah, or but in... does Paul... Yes? Just change his message to everyone as he goes. Is he just a, an asshole? But Chuck, you're forgetting that in C.S. Lewis's The Last Battle, Aslan tells the Telmarine that all that you have done worshiping your idols, I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of uh, translating here. What's that word? Paraphrasing? Uh, I just take it as unto me. So just worship her idols. He'll just, God will just take it to himself anyway. Matt, one cannot forget something one never knew in the first place. <laughs> Well, now you know. Chuck, it is... Do you know what time it is? I bet you don't know. Uh, Valentine's Day. Wrong! Oh, damn it. No, you may be right. It is time for another... Matt's Anthropology Corner! Woo-hoo! Hoo! Ow! <laughs> um, <laughs> we're going to head right back to the Middle East, specifically Israel once again, even though I just covered a site in Israel, but this was too good to pass up. These penises and vaginas, Chuck. When you come across penises and vaginas, you can't pass that up. Jewish penises and vaginas? Uh, they appear to have been circumcised. I guess they must have been. Unless they were Gentiles. Circumcised <laughs> vaginas? <laughs> I'm going to pay attention this time. It appears that 100 prehistoric cult sites complete with penis stone structures and artifacts with vulva shapes cut into them have been discovered in the Elliott Mountains, an extremely arid region of the Negev Desert in Israel. So, basically, old Jews... This is this is Jewish pornography. <laughs> Essentially. <laughs> they're like, let's make some stone penises, like pointing at some stone vaginas. These sites take 
back around uh, 8,000 BCE, they've discovered a variety, a plethora. Plethora, you say? A plethora. Do you know what a plethora is, Chuck? (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure you would not have mentioned a plethora unless you knew what a plethora was. Oh, I know. Uh, They found a whole bunch of stone structures and artifacts, including stone circles measuring one and a half, two and a half meters across, with penis-shaped installations pointing towards them. Other findings include stones up to two and a half feet in height. Huh? Stones, you say? Stones, I say. Fascinating. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Um, The site appears to have been used for ritual activities, although exactly what is unknown at this time, although animal sacrifice seems likely given the plethora of animal bones found there. I would have liked to be part of this dig. Be like, uh, what are you, what are you brushing away there with your tiny little toothbrush? <laughs> I don't know. Kind of looks like a gigantic stone dick to me. I'm gonna use both hands to clean it off now. What do you think, Professor? <laughs> uh, could be a vulva. Could be. We need more evidence. <laughs> we need Continue brushing, intern. So, speaking of bones. <laughs> Um, the penis-shaped structures seem to point <laughs> stones with vulva-shaped holes and circles that appear to represent females. So, yeah, you're right. <laughs> These penis-shaped sculpture stones are actually pointing at vaginas? They're actually pointing at them. It, it's porno. It's prehistoric porno. <laughs> uh, so far, the only two symbols identified are fertility and death, as well as most of the sites... Uh, or be are looked at as being cult sites, but not domestic ones, as in like nobody lived there. However, the number of sites recorded so far suggests many more waiting to be found, and many, many more ancient penises are literally rock hard and ready to point the way to more vulvas. Matt, that was a fascinating anthropology corner. Fascinating. Thank you. Jewish porn. And now back to our show. Matt, chapter 18 was so excruciatingly boring, I'm going to skip it entirely. He just travels a bunch, and we learn that he was a tent maker. I believe uh, I believe that's the sole reference for being a tent maker. I don't think we get that out of his letters. And I believe in Acts, too, we learn that he comes from Tarsus, you know, Saul of Tarsus. Uh, yeah. And we don't get that from his letters either. So that's our only source for the fact that for Paul's city of birth. Yeah, chapter 18 was the Robert Jordan Wheel of Time series, books 6 through 12. Oh, my God. (laughs) Nothing happened except people just traveling around and a bunch of stupid shit. Good God. Too bad that guy died. (laughs) They finished it. Chapter 19. So Paul, again, preaches to the Jews. Some people believe, some don't. Then he goes to the Gentiles. In verse 11, we get this. God did extraordinary miracles through Paul so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick and their illnesses were cured and the evil spirits left them. Well, isn't that interesting? Wow. (laughs) Because Jesus, with his garment, he had to be wearing the fringe of the garment in order to heal people and the shadow had to be attached to Peter. But with Paul, freaking aprons and handkerchiefs are going all over the place curing everybody. Just, like, anything he touches, like, something he wiped his butt with, you yeah. know? Doesn't that make Paul more powerful than Jesus, because he doesn't have to be physically connected to these things? I'm thinking. It's, it's like everybody's one-upping each other. I wonder, did those handkerchiefs heal people who didn't believe in Jesus? Like, did, did pagans just kind of oh. brush up against the thing and they were healed of their leprosy? Right. Did they uh, have to be recharged by touching Paul again? I mean, I this, this raises a lot of questions, Matt. Like a Green Lantern ring. 
Yeah, exactly. They only worked for a little while. Paul had to wipe his ass with it again, and then it worked again for 24 hours. Uh, it sounds like a bunch of bullshit to me. That's what I'm, I'm calling it bullshit. So, Matt, uh, there was a riot in Ephesus because the people were worried that if, if Paul converted everyone in Ephesus, <laughs> then they'd lose their jobs <laughs> making idols. So, some economic concerns there. Oh, the idol-making uh, big idol, I guess it was. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Spiring against him. Don't listen to the lies of Big Idol. <laughs> oh, my God. Matt, chapter 20 is my favorite chapter in Acts because it has this wonderful story where Paul talks about Jesus all night long, right? All night long. And his preaching is so interesting that it causes a young man named Eutychus to become bored and sleepy. Uh, verse 9 literally says, Seated in a window was a young man named Eutychus who was sinking into a deep sleep as Paul talked on and on. <laughs> it says that. On and on, on. And on and on. Until Eutychus falls from the window and breaks his neck and dies. Holy shit. Paul literally bored that fucker to death. I was reading that and I'm like, I feel you, Eutychus! <laughs> I feel you! This is some sort of warning. Won't this guy ever shut the fuck up? Intention. <laughs> Good Lord. So, verse 10, Paul's like, oh, shit. So he goes down the stairs, threw himself on the young man, and put his arms around him. Hey. (laughs) There are two sources for Catholic priests molesting small children. One is when Jesus says, suffer the small children to come unto me. And two is this verse where Paul goes down and throws himself on the young man, puts his arms around him. You know, they say there's something in the Bible you can use to pretty much justify anything. I wasn't sure you could justify uh, pedophilia, but (laughs) there it is. (laughs) Paul did it. Uh, Yeah, so Paul resurrects the sleepy dude, uh, much like Peter did that uh, Dorcas, little Dorcas. Ah. Weird here, too, in chapter 20, Paul's leaving Ephesus, and he gives this massive farewell address to the Ephesian elders like he knows he's never going to see them again. Well, isn't he prophetic or something? Yeah, he must be. Because he never does, Matt, in fulfillment of his prophecy. Ah, maybe it's because the idol makers were like, come back here again. Get the fuck out of here, Paul. (laughs) I got my business. Uh, Chapter 21, Paul goes back to Jerusalem, where he's greeted by James. And here, Peter and the apostles are nowhere to be found anymore. Like, James has murdered them all. He's in charge now. He's the lone wolf in charge. Hey, James, where'd everybody go? Oh, they're around. Yeah, don't ask questions. They're busy. James uh, says that some believing Jews are complaining that Paul teaches people to turn away from Moses. So to make it right, Paul must pay for four people's expenses and do some ritual or something. I don't know. What? It's really (laughs) weird. He's like, you got to pay for these people to shave their heads and and, uh, do a bunch of rituals and purify yourself. And then it'll be okay. Okay. And Paul goes, all right, that's fine. So he does it. At the end of the ritual, he's arrested by the Jews anyway for stirring shit up. Hey. Well, that didn't work. (laughs) I did that whole ritual. I paid for four people. Still got arrested. Well, they were going to arrest him. They were just like, what kind of crazy shit do you think we could get him to do first? (laughs) (laughs) Let's get him to pay for these four guys' haircuts. Paul's like, okay, I'll do it. Uh, there's this weird kind of back and forth in verse 37 about, like, the soldier's about to take Paul in the barracks. He asks the commander, may I say something to you? And then the guy's like, do you speak Greek? And then he says, aren't you the Egyptian who started a revolt and led 4,000 terrorists into the wilderness some time ago? That is a direct 
reference that's straight lifted from Josephus, where he has this whole thing about the Egyptian and going in the wilderness and Ah uh, yes. That places Acts no earlier than ninety three AD. So post Bake. <laughs> <laughs> Nearly five hundred years after the Bake. Uh so in chapter twenty two uh, Paul gives his defense, which uh, really is uh, just a recap of his conversion story from chapter 9, which happens to be at odds with it. <laughs> so, <laughs> chapter 22.8, my companions saw the light, but they did not understand the voice of him who was speaking to me. Uh, chapter 9, verse 7, his companions heard the sound, but did not see anyone. So, uh, I love how Luke isn't even consistent with himself. He's like, he's writing this, and he's like, oh, God, that was all the way up in chapter 9. I don't want to unroll this, this fucking scroll that long. <laughs> Fuck it. I'll just, I'll just go by memory. Yeah. They fall apart sometimes, Chuck, the scrolls. Yeah. So uh, this conversion story riles up the Jews even further. Because oh, my God. What doesn't? We all know. I'm surprised they're even fucking paying attention, right, <laughs> given the fact that Paul's such an interesting speaker. Right. They should all be dead by now. So the commander of the Roman forces has Paul dragged away to be flogged and interrogated. But after Paul's tied up and, like, right before the whip is going to come down, Paul says, hey, I'm a Roman citizen, by the way. <laughs> like, why didn't you say that 20 minutes ago? I'm going to let these guys tie me all up, and uh, I'm a Roman citizen. It's way down. better that way. Take me down. It's way better if you if you hold it off like that, just when they're about to do it. Like A lot of shit in here, it's like clearly to increase dramatic suspense. It's right. put in there just – it would never happen historically that way, but it's in there just to, to make it interesting. And it fails miserably. It's not interesting. Too bad the the flogger didn't uh, wasn't a little too eager for his job and could have got one in before. Oh, by the way, I'm a <laughs> oh, <fuck. laughs> just just a couple shots before he mentions it. Uh, chapter twenty three, the Roman commander summons the Sanhedrin to appear before him and has Paul tell him what's going on. Oh. So so Paul goes, oh, hey, look, there's there's Pharisees in here and Sadducees, so I'm going to take a different legal strategy. He says in verse six. I stand on trial because of the hope of the resurrection of the dead. You see, there you go. Okay, yeah, got it. So, the Pharisees believe in the resurrection. The Sadducees don't believe in the resurrection. So, uh, like a cage match ensues. They're like, fuck you, assholes. The argument gets so violent, the commander is concerned for Paul's safety. So he takes a bunch of soldiers. This is from verse 23. A detachment of 200 soldiers, 70 horsemen, and 200 spearmen. So this is probably... Wow. Paul's like the fucking emperor of Rome, I guess. Right. Jesus. How many Pharisees and Sadducees were there? Perhaps 400 of them. So he has Paul transferred to Caesarea uh, to be tried by the governor of the province because, you know, why not? Yeah. Mm. You gotta wonder here, too, during all this fucking trial... Where's James? Where are the apostles? Where are the rest of the Jerusalem Christians? Why don't they say, hey, Paul didn't do those things. They are no. nowhere to be found. They just scattered. They're whoring it up. What assholes. No one comes to Paul's defense. Chapter no. 24. Felix the governor. Here's the prosecution. Wait, what? Yeah, Felix. Felix. Felix the governor. No. Here's the, uh, here's the case. Uh, but he's he's hoping for a bribe, so he keeps Paul in prison for two years. And then Felix dies. So that, <laughs> that didn't work. He didn't, know, he didn't know Paul yeah. was a Jew, right? There's no way Paul's going to be parting with money. Fuck no. you. 
More of attrition. Exactly. I'll sit. I'll sit my ass right here. I'm not <laughs> giving you a bribe. So uh, Festus takes over, and uh, his first order of business, of course, as new governor Wait. of province, is to hear Festus. Paul's <laughs> Come on. Where did they get these names? People weren't named that back then. Was he a sorcerer? Festus, Festus the sorcerer. Festus the sorcerer. His name was actually Festus the governor. Festus the governor. He hears the case, but Paul appeals to Caesar. So uh, Festus decides to send Paul to Rome. But first he consults Herod Agrippa II, uh, you know, because maybe we'll get a Jew to hear this. Maybe a Jew can make sense of this, because it worked so well the last time we got a bunch of Jews in here. (laughs) So Paul's hauled before Agrippa, and he gives his defense, which is basically another retelling of his conversion story. Oh, boy. Which, again, contradicts the first version in Acts 9-7. So, uh, you remember it said, the men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but did not see anyone. Right. So, uh, Paul's recent uh, retelling in Acts 22-7, I fell to the ground. So, this time, everyone falls to the ground, not just Paul, right? So, in 26, verse 14, we all fell to the ground. So this doesn't seem like much, except that, you know, again, Luke can't be bothered to be consistent even with himself. So what does that say about his rank as a historian? First, he's the first-rate historian, right? He can't even, get it right? He's, in, he's in chapter 26, and he can't even roll up four chapters. Ah, fuck it. He's a historian of the first rank. That's it. He's the <laughs> first-rank historian. All by of the first Christian rank. Him and Brian Williams. But come on, we got we got general historians Tacitus, even Suetonius, man, much better than this guy. Uh, so the, one of the problems, too, is if we can't trust Luke on the details he's given himself, and he, he can't keep from contradicting himself, even with a couple pages. So when we can verify these details by rolling up the scroll or going back in the pages, what about the shit that he tells us that we can't verify? I mean, we can't trust him on anything. I love, too, that uh, in verse 24, uh, Luke manages to insult and compliment Paul at the same time. He can't insult Paul without complimenting him simultaneously. <laughs> so at this How do you point, do that? At this point, Festus interrupted Paul's defense, probably because he's about to fall asleep. He says, you're out of your mind, Paul. Your great learning is driving you insane. <laughs> <laughs> you are so smart. You're driving yourself crazy. Oh, my God. So... Agrippa decides that Paul would have been set free had he not appealed to Caesar. So, uh, I guess that's too late now. Yeah. You've already submitted your appeal. Everyone knows once that appeal has been submitted, there ain't no going back. It's permanent. It's It's fucking etched. Done deal. So, in chapter 27, Paul sets sail for Rome and prophesies that the voyage will be disastrous. But the centurion in charge doesn't listen to Paul because Paul's a fucking chained up prisoner. He's, he's a crazy bastard. <laughs> I'm innocent, I tells you. So so what do you think happens on the way to Rome? Uh, nothing. A Smooth bad storm sand. rises up. Ow! Batters the ship. In verse 21, Paul gives uh, a pretty good speech here, man. He says, men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. <laughs> I told you so, you dumb fucks. <laughs> then you would have spared yourself this damage and loss. But now I urge you to keep up your courage. 
because not one of you will be lost. Only this ship will be destroyed. Last night an angel of the God, to whom I belong and whom I serve, stood beside me and said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. And uh, by that time, everyone was asleep, and so they ran aground (laughs) on an island. Uh, This sounds like a lot like Gilligan's Island. Oh, my God. Acts was, it was like fucking interminable. I kept looking ahead. I'm like, oh my God, there's only 28 chapters. I'm almost there. <laughs> yeah, it reminds me of Gilgan's Island, but also reminds me of uh, Nephi, right? When uh, they're sailing across the Atlantic and they've got that Liahona and they're not righteous. And so a storm rises up and it batters the ship back and forth until they become righteous and repent. I think nah. Joseph Smith was a big fan of Paul and Acts because that blinding thing also happened in the Book of Mormon to uh, Alma the Younger. Aha! Carbon copy of Paul's conversion process. Alma the Sorcerer. Nothing is better than Sorcerer the Sorcerer. No, that that's awesome. true. <laughs> All right, Matt, chapter 28. The final chapter. Paul is bitten by a snake and suffers no ill effects, so the people who live on the island think he's a god again. Again, Everyone this time he's a god. He, this time he said yes. So he heals the sick father of a Roman official, and then everyone who's sick on the island lines up to be healed by Paul. Uh, see, that's what happens when you say yes. Yeah, yeah. it's a lot yeah, of work. I'm a god. Yeah. Finally, they set sail again on a ship that had wintered on the island, and they arrive in Rome. Of course, as always, Paul goes to. Well, first the, the Jews come to him because he he's under house arrest. <laughs> ah. The Jews come to him first to hear him preach. Some of them believe, some of them don't. And so he ends up preaching to a bunch of Gentiles. So Acts ends with Paul preaching in Rome from prison in verses 30 and 31. For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. That's how it ends. Well, except for being in jail. Yeah, the only hindrance was he couldn't leave his fucking house. (laughs) Wait, this is how it ends? But he was pretty well, bold. This is lame. Yeah, that's how it ends. End. You so, got to end with a death or a marriage. That's how, you end a, that's how you end a story. You'll hear people argue that Acts had to be written before the year 69 when Paul was beheaded in Rome, right? And notice, too, like everyone, the the first guy, the second guy, the third, you know, all these trials, they're all like, hmm, well, this guy's totally innocent. I would have let him go, you know, if he hadn't appealed. Oh, yeah, I find no fault in this guy. But apparently mm-hmm. his final appeal didn't go so well because he got his head chopped off. Oh, so they'll that? argue the, 69 AD. So they'll argue oh. that this had to be written before 69 because it doesn't mention Paul getting beheaded. Well, you don't you don't mention that part in your awesome story of Paul. Right. I mean, at this point, I'm a downer. <laughs> right. A, Paul's the hero of the narrative. So right. <laughs> isn't it better to leave on a, a feeling of hope where he's kind of preaching without hindrance and, and very bold and probably boring people to death left and right? killing Roman citizen after Roman citizen with his preaching. <laughs> or, Paul's so famous within all these Christian communities because he fucking founded 90% of them that they all know that he died, right? And you don't, It's like telling a story about the Twin Towers and, and then uh, leaving it right before the towers go down. And you're like, well, that had to be written before 2001, right? Because right. it didn't mention the towers go down. Ridiculous. <laughs> That's Axe, Matt. Dear God. Thank- God, it's oh over. Oh, my God. Holy shit. Done. Oh. Done. 
you're done as well. I'm this... done for at least two months, and maybe the, yeah. the show will become massively successful, and I will never have to come back. That's uh, no, that's not going to happen. I will pray unceasingly <laughs> for that to transpire. Who are you going to pray to? Pray tell. Uh, Matt, I'm going to pray to Saul Invictus. The one Saul Invictus. The sun god. Excellent choice. The only true god. I'm going to pray to Dionysus. Actually, I'm just going to drink wine, but it's like the same thing. What about the rites? Aren't you going to fuck some goats and get all naked and shit in the forest? I guess so. I've got, I've separated my sheeps and my goats. I guess that's why we separate them. <laughs> <laughs> it's all preparatory. Yeah. <laughs> the Dionysian rites. Now, that's what that means in that light winds trailer, the, the separation of the sheep and goats. Because you don't want to accidentally fuck the wrong one in the wrong order. Want to be fucking sheep, for God's sakes? What are you, inhuman? Especially when it's goat fucking time. Well, see, at nighttime. Oh, shit. My freaking phone's ringing. Ah. Sorry. Stop ringing. Well, I'll, I'll wait. <laughs> Everybody. Just hold on. It'll, they'll stop Hang calling on. eventually. It'll pass. <laughs> oh, no. Now the answering <laughs> machine is Who the fuck still has an answering machine?